If you want to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, in just a moment I'm going to be reading from uh, verse 3 through verse uh, 10, the end of the chapter. 1 John, not the Gospel of John, this is the John that's backed by your maps, okay? Uh, toward the back of the, uh, of the Bible, 1 John 1, 3 through 10. And before I read that, I'd like for us to pause once more and invite God's presence as we meditate and pray together. We pray, loving, eternal God and Heavenly Father, that you would permeate every area of our lives today with your blessed presence. Uh, permeate the troubles of our hearts, our aching lives, our, our struggles and fears, our deepest longings. And today, guide your church all over the world with the accomplishment of your mission and us a part of that. We pray that you would care for a world that is scarred and marred with conflict and devastation, for those still recovering from hurricanes and earthquakes, for those serving in armed forces and for places of war and conflict and homelessness and distress, for those struggling with illness and grief and private pain. And we pray that you would soak our diseased, hate-filled world with your love. Help us to live in such a way that we demonstrate every person is created in your image. And each person is a person of value and worth, no matter gender or race or lifestyle or personal background or political views, that each person is worthy of respect and kindness, that we might live the peace of the gospel in the midst of these challenging days. Fill us with your peace, but also, God, today, because of where the Scripture is leading us, Fill us with your honesty and your truth because we know that your truth is so important and we need to hear your word today. So open our lives to the mystery and the miracle of Jesus and the truth that that means for us individually and as a church family, as a part of your kingdom. We pray this humbly through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now 1 John chapter 1 beginning in verse 3. Would you stand with me if you're able? And listen prayerfully as I read aloud. We declare to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, today we launch uh, our third sermon series in the Setting Sail series 
we have been looking at the different sails of the, of the ship that is to lead us into God's future as the wind of the Holy Spirit blows on those sails and as we hoist them in faithfulness. Remember, the first sail, the first sermon series was about God-centered worship. The second one that we just finished was about life-changing faith. And this morning we look at that third sail and for the next few Sundays looking at that third sail, which is... Uh, the mystery of authentic relationships, or as I have entitled this sermon series, Embracing the Mess, because uh, relationships are messy. And so we're going to just work at embracing the mess rather than running from it. And uh, we have a a theme sentence or an aspiration, our preferred future, uh, with each of these sales. With this one in particular, First Baptist Church is an imperfect family bound together by love and grace, we practice radical hospitality, affirm everyone's journey, and celebrate the living Christ working among us. We love each other. That's the simple statement of the reality of authentic relationships. But you know what? We have trouble really living into this because we get caught up in pretending and facades and Sunday masks And we have trouble with honesty uh, with one another and trusting one another. Uh, It's an age-old problem, and and until we deal with that, we're never going to have authentic relationships. I uh, remember a story that Charles Swindoll, the author and pastor, told about an ex-Marine. This ex-Marine found Christ, got involved in the church, and after uh, living a, a while in the church the ex-Marine had some, had some reflections. He said, you know, I kind of miss the old days. I kind of miss the old fellowship, the old guys. We would go to a bar and have a few beers, and we would talk about real life, and I could share my problems. And we would laugh, and we would remember, and uh, I felt like somebody was really listening. And then he said, I can't find anybody in church who will put their arms around me And tell me I'm still okay. Man, he said, it's lonely in here. Isn't that interesting? Not that it's lonely out there, but when he compared where he'd been to where he is in the church, it's lonely in here. And personally, I think that's a huge indictment of the church that you can find more transparency and more realness in a bar or at an AA meeting than you can find in Christ Church. And you know, it was Paul Turnier who uh, made the statement that nothing makes us as lonely as our secrets. Think about that for a moment. We think loneliness has its root in the lack of physical presence of others, and certainly that's key. We think loneliness is about the lack of meaningful relationships, and certainly that is true, but Turnier says that loneliness has its root. There's no loneliness loneliness like the loneliness of carrying around secrets. And those secrets tend to isolate us, and they tend to wall us off, and we put up the mask, and we do the pretending and the pretension. And we're not honest and we're not real. We go into this pretend mode 
when we come to church. I love the story about the uh, pastor who was visiting in his rural parish, and he was uh, visiting at the farm of a family. He was inside the house visiting with mom and dad, and uh, the little boy burst in the house and didn't see the pastor at first. He was all excited and exuberant. He said, Mom, Dad, I killed a rat out in the barn. I stomped him. I smushed him, his eyeballs and his guts. And and then he stopped and he saw the pastor. And he said, And the Lord Jesus Christ led that rat to heaven. (laughs) You know, we stop being real when we see the preacher in the grocery store or the Sunday school teacher, or we step inside these walls. We can be real about stomping a rat until, and then we turn to our God talk and to our Sunday school pretend mode. And it's just not right. You know, in this political season, we could all wish that all candidates at every level would drop the pretension and, and, and be honest, be transparent. But that's just the point, isn't it? It's not their job to lead the church. It's the church's job to model that for the world. And the world's never going to get better if believers wait for the world to get it right. We are the ones who are to model the honesty and transparency and the lack of pretension. And then we are the salt and light that will make a difference in the world. It's not the other way around. Let me ask you a question. How did the stories of failure get in the Gospels, the four Gospels, the failure, of, the failure and sins of Peter and James and John, their pride, their arrogance, their cowardice? How did those stories get in the Gospels? The answer is, those followers of Jesus told that on themselves. They were honest. They were real. They were transparent. They confessed to others how and to a degree why they'd messed up. They were real. And that's how the story got told. Or or we'd never know about it. If they'd done the Sunday school mode, pretend and smile and all you got to do is give your life to Jesus, we would have never known about that. Well, earlier in the service we read... The Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is saying there, if you really want to participate in the kingdom, you have to be broken. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who know how to cry. Blessed are the poor in spirit. If you really want to experience the kingdom, you have to be broken. You have to be honest. You have to stop pretending. And what Jesus was basically saying there was, losers of the world unite. Losers of the world, follow me. Losers of the world, follow me and be the church. Be the messy, flawed, imperfect, but honest church. That's what Jesus calls us to. And in our text of 1 John... Verse 3 begins, we declare to you what we've seen and heard. Back in verse 1, he says, we declare to you what we've touched. Now, those sound like just polite little phrases. But there was a movement afoot when 1 John was written 
that Jesus hadn't really come to earth in human body. That God used smoke and mirrors, a sort of Gnosticism, the idea that Jesus didn't really come in a body down into this nasty, plagued, sinful world that he just seemed to. But the writer of 1 John says, oh, no, no, he was here. We, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. Because guess what? If you start with a plastic savior, you're going to end up with plastic followers. If you start with pretend savior, you're going to end up with pretend disciples. But if you start with a real savior who was down in the muck and the mire, you're going to get a real church. And John goes on in verse 7 and he says, this difference between honesty and lying, pretending and truthfulness, if we walk in the light, if we come out of the darkness in verse 7 and walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us, present tense, ongoing action from all sin. Now notice the vertical and the horizontal. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with God. When we're honest and real and confess our sins, that affects our horizontal relationship. We have true fellowship and honest relationships with each other as well as an honest relationship with God. But look at verse 8. What happens? If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. Who are we lying to when we say we have no sin? We're lying to ourselves. The truth is not in us. Every time I read this verse, I remember a time I was sharing my faith with a woman in her home. We had talked quite a while. We came to the subject of sin, and she told me that she'd never sinned. She wasn't being flip. She wasn't being uh, sarcastic. She wasn't trying to be funny. She had been raised in a works righteousness philosophy, and she believed, based on her understanding of sin, that she had not sinned. I sort of didn't know what to do. The only thing I could think of to do, I handed her my New Testament, and I asked her to read this verse. In fact, I think we started in verse 7, read through the end of the chapter. And tears came to her eyes after she'd read those words aloud. She heard those words. And we sometimes forget that this is how we come into faith in the first place. By admitting our sin, by ceasing to deceive ourselves, by acknowledging our sin, by repenting, by receiving Jesus Christ's forgiveness into our lives. And that's a practice of ongoing walk with the Lord to continue that honesty and that transparency. And look at verse 9, the, the verse that's most popular of all these verses. If we confess our sins, to say the same thing about our sins that God says, He who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? From all unrighteousness. A wonderful thing happens when we open our lives up to God. God is able to work and to forgive our sins. That wonderful moment when we open up our lives to God, but it also 
is a wonderful thing that happens when we can open up our lives to other people and be real and confess our sins. That forgiveness becomes something that is horizontal as well as vertical. See, God knows and God says in this scripture, the greatest truth about our lives is not our sin. The greatest truth about our lives is God's love and forgiveness of those sins. And we sometimes stop with that that other truth, either mired in guilt or unwilling to acknowledge it. And I want you to picture this. If you're a child, I want you to picture Jesus playing on the floor with you. And Jesus suddenly takes your hand, looks you in the eye and says... I know all about your sins and mistakes. Give those to me and I'll deal with them. It's you I want. It's you I love. If you're an older child, a teen or an adult, imagine that you're sitting down with Jesus at your favorite coffee or Coke spot and you're having a Coke or a a cup of coffee and Jesus reaches over and grabs your hands, looks in your eyes and says, I know all about your sins your ugly secrets, I want you to give them all to me. I'll deal with them. It's you I want. I'm longing for a relationship with you because I love you. See, that's the power of these verses. But again, John circles back in verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar. Verse 8 says we deceive ourselves. Verse 10 says we call God a liar when we are not real and honest. Let me just be as blunt and keep this as simple as I can. If you want a real relationship with God, you have to stop pretending and start being honest. If you want real and deeper relationships with other people, you have to stop pretending, and you have to start being honest. That's what these verses are saying. I want to tell you about a Russian man by the name of Grigory Potemkin. I put the name on the screen because it's unusual. He's Russian. In 1787, Grigory Potemkin built a fake portable village, just the facade, the fronts of buildings, and built them in such a way that they could be moved because the Empress of Russia, Catherine II, was going to come visiting, and they weren't sure exactly where she'd stop, and they wanted to leave this impression uh, of a very prosperous village. Now, historical accounts get fuzzy, and we don't know how much of this... uh, all happened in historical sequence, but the the simple truth is that in Russia today, the phrase Potemkin village has come into their lexicon of language, and here's what it means. It describes anything that is built in order to deceive others. Anything that is built in order to deceive others into thinking that the situation is better than it really is. 
And that's actually beginning to be used some in, in English language. A Potemkin village is any attempt to deceive, to make people think things are better than it really is. And I love this cartoon. I think it's from, uh, from Russia. Uh, it shows a Russian man saying, ah, prosperity. And of course, you can see that the facade of the building is, is propped up and back. It's only the front of a building. And he sort of pictures believers in the New Testament church. Ah, things are great. Ah, spiritual prosperity. And all the while, we have our Potemkin village propped up uh, with some boards behind the facade. What's your Potemkin village? What's your pretending that is seeking to deceive people to lead them to believe that things are better than they really are, different than they really are? It's time for all of us to stop pretending and start trusting. To stop the, tran- the, uh, the pretense and, and to seek transparency with God and with others. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray together. Would you bow for just a moment? Would you... Take this prayer that I'm loaning you, and you can pray it silently. If you're not a follower of Christ, maybe you're ready to say, Lord, I'm tired of the deceit. I know the truth about my sin. I know the truth about how much you love me. Please, Jesus, come into my life. I turn from that sin. I trust you. I don't know who this morning might need to pray that prayer, but I hope you did that. If you're already a follower of Christ, could you just take a moment to be honest with God and tear down that Potemkin village and just get real and see if there isn't much more to the Christian life than you've been experiencing. Lord, lead us in your truth and in your love. Through Christ we pray.